CanadianEvergreen.com is your trusted news source for all things green, offering up-to-date news and stories from Canada's booming cannabis industry. Content you can trust from Black Press Media. NFL Report with Philip Wolf and Aaron Halischuk is a Black Press Media podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the NFL Report. I'm Erin Halschuk, a journalist with Black Press Media. We have just finished week seven in the 2023 NFL season, and I'm joined today with Vancouver Island Daily and Parksville Qualicum Beach News Editor Philip Wolf to discuss all things NFL and maybe a little bit of CFL as well. Welcome back to the podcast, Philip. Thanks, Erin. We took a little bit of a longer break between episodes, so we definitely have a few things to catch up on. Let's start geographically and closest to us with the Seattle Seahawks. They've started the season with a 4-2 record, maybe a little bit better than what people may have expected. But looking at their roster, it's a little bit banged up here at the moment with star receiver DK Metcalf missing his first game of his professional career. Their offensive line is also a little bit banged up as well. Some people are questioning Geno Smith's decision-making as of late, despite some winning games. Where does the team stand right now at this point in the season? I go back to what Bill Parcells always said, is you are what your record says you are. I think the Seahawks can be a playoff team. I think 4-2 and two is right about right for where they're at right now. I, I do agree with a, a lot of what you just said. I don't really think they missed DK Metcalf that much, though. I mm -hmm. found that was the most interesting thing I thought about that game is we've been waiting for Jackson Smith and Jigba to have a, a bigger role. And I think everybody always needs more Bobo as yes. Jigbo stepped up. The biggest question for me, again, will come down to Geno Smith. What are your thoughts on Geno? I'm the same way. I feel like the offense didn't really miss DK that much, if anything, the other players really had the opportunity to step up as much as I do like DK. I always find he takes maybe one or two questionable penalties every few games. It was nice not to see that he's obviously got the talent and the big hands behind it, but they have a really good receiver group with that team. So he wasn't that missed. It all comes down to the quarterback. I feel like he's maybe going back a bit to what he was doing when he was with the Jets. And part of the reason why he got benched with the Jets is just the amount of interceptions he had versus the amount of touchdowns that he had. That's a little bit of a worrying trend. I was looking at some stats before we came on. And when he was with the Jets, he threw 25 touchdowns versus 34 interceptions. And I'm a little bit concerned, not a lot, but just a little bit concerned that we're trending a bit in that direction. That's something that I just want to put a little bit of a, not a red flag, I would say a yellow flag on, just keep an eye on that. What do you think of the Seattle defense so far this year? I, I really like Witherspoon at corner. I think they could use a little bit more pass rush. Mm -hmm. uh, but other than that, it's a traditional Pete Carroll defense. Yes. I think that he wants to build with a defense in the running game. And I think you've seen that a lot. I'm not really surprised at how they've done. Like I say, I thought they would be a playoff team, mm -hmm. but I keep circling back around to Gino. I just think he's yeah. a good quarterback. I don't think he's a great quarterback. And you're right. Is those key decisions at the key times. I just don't know that he's the guy we talked on previous podcasts about them, maybe drafting a quarterback for this year. And 
I think they're going to enter next year again with the same type of decision is you need a younger quarterback to move forward. And the fear that I have just watching the game so far this year are his decision-making, particularly in the red zone. When you're so close to scoring and you're giving up not even a third down or a fourth down, you're giving up an interception when you're 10, five yards away from the end zone. To me, that's a problem. And it's not just a one-off. It seems like it's starting to be a repeated pattern. So that's something that I think might be a little bit more costly going forward. They've never, ever had a problem with interceptions in the red zone at key moments. Right. <laughs> never, ever. No, no big games or anything like that. Switching coasts here for a second and looking at your Dolphins, and they are doing pretty well. Despite this past week's performance, they sit at five and two. They did lose to the Eagles. Maybe a little bit of a humbling experience for them. But how are you feeling now with a few games under their belts? What do you think of their team so far? Five and two seems about right. Again, they haven't played a ton of great teams. They've lost to the two best teams that I would say that they've right. played. I don't know that it was a humbling experience. You never, ever want to complain about the officiating. Right. But on Sunday, I was watching the Cleveland-Indianapolis game, and the officials just took that over. And Philly-Miami, that was it was tied 17-17. I think it was a game that could have gone either way. But I have never seen a game where the penalties were that one-sided. I don't think it was the reason that they lost. There were much bigger factors than that. But 10 penalties to zero, zero penalties. Mm -hmm. I just don't understand. It, it seems like the bigger the game or the bigger the time, the refs really want to inject themselves into the game. And again, absolutely no excuse. Miami, their offensive line remains porous. I'm still pretty happy with how the Dolphins are. I do question, we go back to Geno Smith, but I question... Mm -hmm decision-making sometimes in the red zone. And he's so good and so accurate on his first read. But if you break it down a little bit, then he gets a little loose. And I think that's what the Eagles did. I think their defensive line was just too much for Miami. I know this is a question I'll have for you a little bit later on, but there was some talk earlier on in the beginning of the year, quarterback to being a possible MVP candidate. And I'm just going to get you to hold on to that thought to see and circle around if that is still someone on your list, but just putting that out there right now. So we'll keep everyone in suspense a little bit longer. Switching to a particular, maybe underdog. I'm not quite sure if that's quite the right word for it, but the Lions have had a extremely strong start to the year. They finished the year last year really well with a lot of positive energy going into this year. And they've overall kept that going. They faltered a little bit against a really good Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens this past week. But do you think Dan Campbell, their coach, do you think they have, he's got the team on track to maybe make it into the playoffs? They currently sit at the top of the NFC North, I believe. I can't believe I'm actually saying that in a sentence, Detroit Lions and playoff team. But what do you think? Oh, 100% they're a playoff team. The, the NFC North, I don't think is that strong. What I find fascinating is by the way that everyone, all of us fans and people in the media and everything, just they vacillate so much mm -hmm. in terms of this team is great. This team is poor. This team, And it changes on a week to week basis. One big game, Lamar Jackson looked amazing, but he looked terrible in the previous game. Yes. The Dolphins score 70 against Denver and no one's stopping them. And then they lay an egg. Philadelphia loses by surprise. San Francisco drops a couple. It's just fascinating to me. The league is so close in terms of 
all the teams and, and the talent. It's it just, I find it fascinating that Detroit is going to the playoffs and then one yes. loss and they're never making the playoffs. That uh, was just a long way of saying, yes, I do think the, the Lions are a playoff team. I really like what Dan Campbell has done. And I think Jared Goff, I would say he's one step above Geno Smith. He doesn't get a lot of the praise that maybe he deserves, but I think he's been really good. Absolutely. And I think just going back to what you were saying, and for even people like us who enjoy chatting about the league in depth, is it a case of people in the media or pundits or whomever just having a better audience if it's a team of extremes? So one week it's really good, one week they're really terrible. Is there a place for mediocrity in the NFL? Speaking from a media perspective. Always the nice mushy middle is where most of the teams reside. In years previous, at least when we grew up watching the game, we never had a chance to reach so many people, whether it be on social media or podcasts or anything, on such a regular basis. And so recency bias really plays into yep. what we're watching. Before it would be like, we'll take our time and assess after halfway through the season or eight games. And now you can see the sky is falling after one drive. Mm -hmm. If you're watching your team and social media and, oh, fire the coach. And, oh, the coach is the greatest. And I just like to try to keep more of an even keel when I do my watching. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Which kind of leads uh, a good segue into what I was going to ask you about 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy and that's a really good example of exactly what we've been talking about because here is essentially more or less a first year quarterback in his first full year as a quarterback last draft pick and now he has really re-energized the team he's given them what is it 10 straight wins I think it is and now he's lost two in a row and just looking at some of the media landscape both professional and social media and things like that there's of course, questions being raised and is he ready or was it this, was it that's in your opinion, is that's not really a fair assessment, is it? No, that ties into exactly what we were saying is mm -hmm. this, he's not the second coming of Tom Brady. Brady lost games, Peyton Manning lost games, yeah. Montana lost games, Dan Marino lost games. He was going to lose some games. Yeah, He's not going to play at an absolute spectacular level every game so this is just par for the course but you take a look at the overall body of work and I thought he played well against Minnesota I just made a couple of really poor decisions and yeah. that ties back into what you said about Gino but that's just part of the process I do think he's their quarterback and he could be their quarterback for a long time going back to what I brought up a little bit earlier we talked about possible MVP picks and we did this at the beginning of the season now we're into week seven anything really changed for you or any particular person really stood out I thought from the beginning Patrick Mahomes was the best candidate and I don't think anything has changed there yeah. I also mentioned Josh Allen he's struggled a little bit there's just so much time for it all to unfold so for now it has to be Mahomes for me. Is based on last week's performance. Again, maybe this is playing into just exactly what we talked about because right now he's at the top of the media talking point list. Lamar Jackson, is he a candidate at all? He's a previous MVP. Again, a lot of that ties into how the team plays. He can have some really terrible passing days, but because he's good carrying the ball and on the ground that makes up for it. So I would say, yes, he's a candidate, but he wouldn't be at the top of my list. 
going back to one of our other favorite topics on the podcast, we've talked about this a little bit last time, was the presence of Miss Taylor Swift and the ratings that accompany her since she's been showing up at Kansas City Games and, and other ones across the league with the Chiefs. It's definitely increased the presence of football with a different demographic, namely if younger women are now watching it, whether it's uh, for her appearances or for football, I think we know the answer to that. But the other day I saw that Al Michaels was on a talk show, I think he said, and he was saying that he's not doing Access Hollywood and he's going to stop talking about her. Do you think that's the right decision looking at what their viewership has been in the last couple of weeks with her presence around games? I think if you ask people in the league office, anything that attracts more eyeballs to your product is a good thing. Yeah. I know if you asked our producer, Peter McCulley, <laughs> he's a huge Swifty. Yeah. So I think he would be one of the people that is in favor of that. But speaking of Al Michaels, I've never seen him seem so bored. Yeah. Have you watched a couple of the last Thursday night contests? They'll score a touchdown and he's monotone. It's almost like he doesn't want to be there. He's obviously one of the greatest of all time, but man, he just seems so bored. I think he's right to a certain extent. I don't necessarily enjoy it. We talked about this previously about every time Travis Kelsey makes a catch, they show the skybox and there's Taylor Swift doing funny high fives. I, I can do without that, but in the end, I, and I don't, <laughs> I think Kansas City plays Miami this week, so I'm preparing mm -hmm. for all that stuff. But in the end, it I could do without seeing it after every play. I would rather hear how the plays went and some analysis of the play. In the end, it will pass. And I don't think that anything that brings new viewers to the game is necessarily a bad thing. How about you? Same. I think there's, going back to that old adage, there's no such thing as bad publicity. And I think, not that the NFL needs it, but you're definitely bringing in new fans. It is getting a little tiresome, I would say, I do have to say I enjoy the alternative posters that I've seen like celebrities or fans carrying around a game saying, I'm not Taylor Swift. Those are the ones I'm keeping an eye out for. And just as a side note, Peter and I did exchange Taylor Swift friendship bracelets before that started. Just putting that out there. Oh, I didn't get one. I'm a little no, sorry. I'm sorry. I knew you weren't a Swifty. Let's go uh, play our favorite game, or maybe it's just my favorite game. I'm not sure. Overreaction or not an overreaction. Let's start with this statement here. The Ravens have a better chance of going to the Super Bowl than the Bills do. Not an overreaction. Really? The Ravens are always good. I think yep. that's a tribute to John Harbaugh, their coach. Buffalo has got a lot of injuries. There's a lot of teams banged up. Miami's missing half of its offensive line and it's two Pro Bowl quarterbacks, but every team gets banged up. Buffalo was one of my favorites at the beginning of the year, but it's not an overreaction. The Ravens are good. You? I'm actually a little bit surprised about the Bills and Josh Allen. And unfortunately, he was my top pick in fantasy this year. So I've got him. I'm a little disappointed with the way that things are playing out. But again, I don't want to overreact with that. But I, I agree with that statement for sure. On to the next one. Based on the play of New England this year, this will be Bill Belichick's last year in the league as a head coach. Massive overreaction. Mm, yeah. I think he's closing in on Don Shula's all-time record. I think even if the Patriots won three games a year for the next six years until he passed him, I think Robert Kraft would keep him. He may not be with New England all that time, 
but someone will hire him. He'll keep going until he drops. Yeah, I agree for sure. Okay. Russell Wilson will not be the quarterback of the Denver Broncos next year. I'd say that's not an overreaction, but I'd say it's 50, 50. Mm-hmm. I don't think Sean Payton likes him at all. I don't think Sean Payton likes not being the star of the team, so to speak, in terms of the personalities. If they could crawl out from under the contract with a trade, I know next week is the trade deadline. That would be fantastic. It'll cost them a lot to buy out the deal. I think it's 50-50 right now. It's interesting because I know Russell Wilson always used to compare himself in press conferences and conversations with the media with Drew Brees. That was one of his idols that he always looked up to. For some reason, it's just Sean Payton and Drew Brees had such a different relationship than him and Russell Wilson. So again, I would agree with you. I wouldn't be shocked to not see him in Denver next year. Let's end this with one of our favorite teams this podcast the lions so seeing as they haven't won a playoff game since 1991 is this the best lions team in the past 50 years i'd say that's an overreaction Mm. they've been terrible for all those decades but i think with barry sanders they were a little more dangerous they might not have had a lot of playoff success so if they get to the playoffs and make some noise then 100 percent But until then, I'm still going to call it an overreaction. And so just to wrap up this week, just because we are heading into the playoff season for the CFL, we have one week left in the regular season before we're switching over to the playoffs. We're looking at what the CFL has right now in terms of the top teams. The East, we've talked about this previously, looks like it's wrapped up with Toronto, that they're going to go to the Eastern final. Winnipeg secured the Western final. So now it's who are going to play against those two teams to make it into the Grey Cup. BC looked pretty dominant up until maybe the last couple of weeks of the season, and they lost to Calgary. Who do you think will represent the West in the Grey Cup this year? I'm going to stick with my heart in this case and go against your heart. I'm still going to stick with the Lions, I think. On any given day, I think... If I had to put money on it, I would take the Blue Bombers. Mm-hmm. You've just asked me who, so I'm going to go with my heart, and I think the Lions will make it there. I think Calgary could be interesting. It just has to come down to the the Bombers and Lions. If Lions do make it into the Western Final, ultimately they're going to have to play Winnipeg outdoors in Winnipeg. How do you think they're going to hold up in, say, minus 10, 15-degree weather? I guess if you play all of your games in a nice, comfy dome, there might be some effect, but... Football is football, and the Bombers have to play in the same stuff. It's going to be just as cold for them as it is for the Lions. Maybe they're used to it. Maybe they practice in it, but I don't know that's a massive factor. And the Lions' running game has been a little bit better, too, so maybe that factors in. I I do look forward to that. When I watch, the CFL is just a more exciting product. The NFL has all the packaging and everything else and all the history and a lot of our emotional investment. But if I'm just strictly watching a football game for excitement, I do prefer the CFL. So I know it's a little bit early. It's about a month away, but Grey Cup predictions, who do you think is going to take it this year? I can't go against my heart with the Lions, but I I think Toronto would eventually take the Grey Cup. How about you? I think ultimately they have the best quarterback in the league. Breaks my heart a little bit to say that, but I think they do. I think they are the strongest team. I'd be surprised if they didn't win this year. To wrap up, I know I said I'd wrap up with one last question, but I just popped up here on my phone, some fantasy football transactions. How is your fantasy football team going? I have Patrick Mahomes and I have Christian McCaffrey. I'm doing just fine. 
I've got McCaffrey as well, but unfortunately, like I said earlier, I've got Allen and then I took Joe Burrow as well. So oddly enough, it's a weird year when I had to swap out last week, Gardner Minshew, and he got me 22 fantasy points, I believe. So that was a good week, but otherwise my two star quarterbacks maybe haven't been completely fulfilling what I thought they might, but still doing pretty well overall. Often when I'm in these drafts is I'll get people, why are you taking a quarterback so high? And I think I've mm-hmm. said, I always take quarterbacks all the time because they're the ones who produce the biggest point totals on a regular basis. A running back will have an outstanding game and get 20 points and a quarterback like Mahomes will have an average game and get to 25. Those are the key. And then I always try to get a receiver that is on the same team as the quarterback because if they're both having big games, it is interesting. I was a little worried when McCaffrey got hurt, but for now I'm doing just fine. Excellent. Thanks so much, Philip. Appreciate it as always. And we will touch base in a couple of weeks. You bet. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks. NFL Report with Philip Wolf and Aaron Halluschuk is a Black Press Media podcast. From the latest community news to informative, entertaining reads for travelers and the cannabis curious, just visit your local Black Press Media community newspaper website to sign up today.